Shallot here with the Critics Corner for September 18th, 1987. Hellraiser, I hardly know her. That's about all I've got for Hellraiser, as my eyes were closed the entire time. But from everything I've heard from my good friend Joel Siegel over at Good Morning America, with whom I share a sizable and comprehensive mustache insurance policy, Hellraiser is a bloody good time. You'll go to pieces over the effects and find it very difficult to tear yourself away from Hellraiser. Or it could be a piece of shit. Moving on. Fatal attraction? More like anal contraction. Because my butthole puckered right up when I saw what can happen when an all-around sweetheart of a family guy like Michael Douglas accidentally falls into Glenn Close's vagina again and again. <laughs> Fatal attraction. More like prenatal reaction because I experience what can only be called morning sickness every time I think about how much delicious rabbit was going to waste in that movie. Everyone was so upset. <laughs> Take two. Meanwhile, I was like, get some carrots and potatoes in there, and you're halfway to a pretty decent stew. Also, Glenn Close gets a bad rap in this movie. Who's to say she even did any of the terrible things that happened in Fatal Attraction? There are lots of people out there with Sammy Hagar's hair. <laughs> Theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 82 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I'm once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And today we travel back to September 18th, 1987, and the 35th anniversary of Fatal Attraction, starring Michael Douglas and Glenn Close, as well as Hellraiser, the Clive Barker horror film that spawned nine sequels and one vaguely ridiculous but incredibly cool-looking character for its poster. But before we dive into these two feel-good joy machines. Where were we in September of 1987? And I know we just were saying before we started, we only were in August of 87 just a couple weeks ago, so it might be hard to parse this out, but... I remember this. Mr. Mr. Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Am I confusing two presidents? You're confusing two presidents, and I think two different years. I don't know. Was it 80s? I thought it was like 80. I thought 87 was the Berlin Wall speech. Was that not the one you made the speech at the Berlin Wall? Let us see. Gorbachev just died. He just passed away. I know. Let's have a moment of silence on the opening weekend podcast for Comrade Mikhail. Gorbachev. Okay. And I'll, and, and, and later we'll hand fart because I have nothing to hand fart this week. The, uh, the, uh, we shouldn't hand fart the Russian national anthem, but you can imagine <laughs> what that might sound like. <laughs> we should, we shouldn't. Dude, you're exactly right. It was, I'm sorry. Am I? We're having a moment of silence, but this is it was <laughs> June. It was June of 1987. And oh, now, oh. And now but, no, 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 but that's great. I, for some reason I thought it was later. Anyway, back to silence <laughs> and respect. And Sammy Hagar's hair. <laughs> 
Oh God, I'm crying. Did you? You Gene oh made God. me cry. Yes. Gene was like really. I, I think he we haven't really heard from Gene in a while, and I think it was like it's been a few. Weeks. I don't no, know. I just maybe I didn't realize how much I missed. Back that. to the Future was the last time. That was a uh, oh which, which yeah. Which to the to the listeners won't oh. feel like a very long time, but to oh. us that we yeah. recorded that three months ago. So yeah, my God, I yeah. think that's what it was. It just yeah. felt it felt so good to hear his voice. <laughs> <and> <laughs> There's oh, a lot of man. horrendous female hair at this time, I think. I mean, at least in these two movies, because you have Sammy Hagar over here, and then you have, I don't know what. The <laughs> oh, my God. She was Bride woman. of Frankenstein. That's what yeah. it looked like to me. It was yeah, a little, a little bit of a, what, is it Elsa Lanchester? Was that the actress who played Bride of Frankenstein? Very good. Um, but, I mean, it's also like a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, one of those 80, 80s, like Roxette, or oh, one yeah. of those 80s bands with that giant helmet of hair. <laughs> I mean, oh, the girl in Hellraiser, you mean? The, the woman the in Hellraiser? Yeah, the, the wife. The wife. Yeah. Oh, yes, very Roxette. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's got, she like, had the look until it was ripped from her face. <laughs> Jesus Christmas. <laughs> or like wow. Linda Gray on Dallas. Like she had, when, she, when she would come yeah. back from the salon, it was usually <laughs> that kind of like, I'm frightened kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, um, you mentioned the Ronald Reagan and it immediately, weird, 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 because my weird, God, weird. everyone was doing Reagan yeah. impersonations, but mm -hmm. was this the time, the first thing that I go to when I, when I hear Reagan's voice is the, the Genesis video for Land of Confusion. Yeah. Yes. You remember those, those puppets? It was, it was a British company and they had a show. Spitting and I'm blanking Image. On the, was it Spitting Image? Spitting Image, very Spitting good. Image was yes. the name of the company. Yeah. Right. Was that, was it, was this around the time yeah. of the Land of Confusion video, I, I wonder? Think, yeah, like 87, 88 was Land of Confusion, I think. But yeah, wow. that, mm -hmm. I bet that was like, and it was so creepy because the puppet heads were so grotesque and elongated yeah. and stuff, but you could tell it was like people's hand, you know, like when they would handle things and stuff, it was oh, very yeah. clearly... It was very tactile, which made it creepier. Yeah. And they did a lot of stuff in that video where Reagan is like waking up from sweaty, bad dream yes, and like sweating. Right. And, and yeah, so to right. see the puppets covered in sweat was really creepy because that made them look more organic too. It was yeah. very. Yeah, they were, had like texture to them. And I remember that that video uh, especially. The, and the, I saw, did you guys ever see, um, I was obsessed, as you know, I was obsessed with Phil Collins and Genesis uh, at this time. I saw them, mm. I think I saw them each three times, each in concert. Wow. Yeah, it was I crazy. Saw, I saw them both once. I saw Phil Collins was the... Uh, so the, no, it was the second concert ever. So the No Jacket Required tour. And oh, then yeah. I saw Genesis for, might have been for that tour. I don't remember, but. They definitely yeah. did Land of Confusion uh, on the tour that I saw. I don't think it, I think I was too young to have seen like the Invisible Touch tour, but whatever was, whatever would have been after that. The one with, oh. I can't dance. I yeah. Can't oh, I think I saw dance. the Invisible Touch tour. Can I just point out that. This is interesting because we're in 1987. Mm. Dan started and he immediately went to a Reagan impersonation, which means that he wants to avoid talking about something. And that makes sense because yes. I was a sophomore at this time. <laughs> makes sense. So Dan was entering freshman year. Oh. And from what we know, from what our longtime listeners know, what we know of Dan, this was a rough time. So I don't <laughs> so, want to so, so turn it around. It. <laughs> I don't want to turn the spotlight back on that, Dan. But I'm just pointing out the fact that this was, you know, normally we talk about what we were doing and you immediately went to what Reagan was doing. So I, are you say, is there something you don't want to talk about, Dan? I want you to imagine a, a young, pudgy, <laughs> less attractive Ronald Reagan <laughs> with glasses, massive fro of hair, and pockmarked, and wearing oh, yeah. sweatpants 
and something with either the Mets or Hulk Hogan on it <laughs> on top and yeah. trying to navigate the halls of John F. Kennedy High School Jail for Kids and not get scored with the books. And not remember we talked about I the just, score. When people I come just listened to that episode. Did I'm you really? just listening to that, the story about, yeah, about you getting scored by the A pretty classic. girls in the hall. Yes, God. by whoever, whoever in the hallway, it didn't matter. Uh, and um, that was the, and, you know, and yeah, the navigating of those first few, I guess this would have been the navigating of the first few really weeks, maybe even the first week of high school, right? When did we, when would we have started? Yeah. Like right at the beginning, right after yeah. Labor Day. Right right after Labor Day. Yeah, right. This is probably like yeah. the second week of Yeah, uh, this is the, so the reason I'm talking about Ronald Reagan, um, looking toward the future and, and uh, uh, and and saying tear down this wall and the end of the the Iron Curtain and the and uh, um, a new dawn is because this is the most terrifying and horrible time in my life. Oh, don't say awe. You just said it was the most horrible oh. and terrifying time of your life. I and you described you. yourself with an afro and sweatpants. <laughs> so <laughs> Which, you I know. don't need your pity. I had Andre the Giant. I had I had Alf to comfort me. <laughs> you you were reading the paper a lot. Clearly, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down Dan's pants. Put corn down. Here's there. some corn, <laughs> mommy. Mommy, bring the corn over. Bring at least bring the jelly beans. Why was he obsessed with jelly beans? Can anyone point that to that? Thing. I'm avoiding things. Yes, this was a hard, difficult time. But uh, soon, soon it does start to change. Soon I get a haircut. Soon I say, you know what? These glasses, I'll just use them for baseball. I won't use them all the time. I'll be blind, but who cares? <laughs> I'll look less dorky. Soon... The 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 uh, the cystic acne will be drained oh, by in much of a in a Hellraiser type fashion <laughs> by <laughs> my dermatologist who I called Pinhead because all they did is stick <laughs> pins in me and go we'll tear your face apart or whatever. <laughs> I sound like Reagan again. <laughs> and, 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 and oddly, Reagan was my dermatologist. We, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this face down. <laughs> tear this face apart. Tear this face apart, mommy. <laughs> Here's something that is really significant. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is the year that on the Tracy Ullman show, you get a little show, a little show within the show, Mm -hmm. Which is the biggest influence I think on my on, on my l just love of of comedy of entertainment of show of TV of cartoons of anything little show called The Simpsons which miraculously yeah. unfathomably is still on the air I don't watch it, it anymore because it's garbage now but <laughs> this no it's still very it's good still you're good. incorrect it's it's unwatchable. I mean it's not like the, those first ten years were like. Everything was amazing for it, ten fucking years, pretty yeah. much. You know, and I'll give you the I'll give you the first fifteen. I still watch seasons eleven through fifteen, and yeah, yeah laugh probably. My ass yeah, off. I can't. I just can't remember. You know yeah. what I mean? How how long sure. their their kind of winning streak streak went? But I knew it was at least a decade. And now what is it? Are they at thirty thirty five five? Wow. I mean, I oh, mean, right, since, of course, since the premiere on Tracy Ullman, right? Since their first airing, you know, yeah, and that right, was eighty seven. Yeah, yes. because 80, wow. Christmas of 89 the was the very first 
official oh, yeah. episode of it is a standalone show, the Christmas mm-hmm. special with Santa's Little Helper. Yeah. Um, because I remember yeah. being, at one point I worked at B. Dalton's at the Americana <laughs> Shopping Mall, but I feel wow. like that was later. I feel like I was older because I remember reading, they had all of Matt Groening's The Life in Hell. Oh, yeah. Yes, I had those. I still have them. They're yeah. right over here. That yeah. was a big thing. You were like very cool if you were, it was like the hip thing if you were like, yeah. Well, yeah. You, if you like The Simpsons, you should really get Life in Hell. Like at Hofstra, like everybody had that oh. in their dorm room. Jim Petro and other people were like, yeah, this is Sim- Simpson sensibility before Simpsons. There's Reagan again. <laughs> the Simpson sensibility before Simpsons is represented in life in hell, which I'm going to read to mommy and Gorbachev right now. Sorry. Oh, God. He Reagan trickled down on all of us. Oh. Um, oh. Like R. Kelly. So, uh, oh, anyway. My band unleashed wouldn't form until later this year. Unleashed. And I think that I <laughs> unleashed. I love that your band then was unleashed and your band as an adult was Zip Thunk, which are basically the same thing. <laughs> Something unleashed. I never even thought about that. Yes. I Everything is of- like, I got to get this out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was unleashed. We called it unleashed. (laughs) (laughs) We called it unleashed. It was uh, based on the Judas Priest album Unleashed in the East, which was the first heavy metal album that I ever listened to and learned to play drums to, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah. So that's why we called it Unleashed. But it was also, there was another band at the time called. were they called Chained? Or no, they were called Unchained. And that was with uh, this guy, Ryan Bell, uh, who's who sadly passed on. And we used to, we were drum buddies. And this kid, Rich Akoka, who was like this amazing guitar prodigy. But, but anyway, that being said, like at this point, I didn't even know what I was doing because all my, fr- I wanted to be in a band. And all of like those guys I just mentioned, other people, they were in bands and I was, sort of playing keyboards and bands here and there, but then I was getting edged out because this other kid, Joe Salvatore, was a better keyboardist, and they're like, well, we don't really need two keyboardists in a band. You know, we're, <laughs> Why and, not? Uh, Didn't, like, the Thompson Twins have two? Weren't that, wasn't that their whole gig? Didn't they have more than sure, one? Sure, but we, we weren't the Thompson Twins, oh, Dan. Okay. We were unleashed. When you think of an 80s song or artist, who, when you go... That's the 80s. Who do you think of? Oh, God. Uh, I, I just, Rick Springfield just jumped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Springfield. Like, That's a good one. That's a good one. That may have been the inspiration for your mullet because he had a good mullet. Maybe. But that's more early 80s, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but around this time, I mean, who did it, I, I was seeing a lot of concerts over the summer. I mean, I know this, this was right around the time when I got into metal. Right. And I'd just seen Iron Maiden previously the year before. Can um, I play with madness? Yeah. Sorry. So I go right to Cindy Lauper. That's where my brain boom, goes. That's, oh, that's yeah. right there with, right. But that, that does feel early. That's, Too early? If you said, well, if you said like 83, that's where probably my. You know what I mean? 83, 84. She but was I guess if I think her 80s rocker, I go, you know, that that's, I no, just go right, right there. Like, cause she was just amazing, you know? And I just go she, yeah, absolutely. right to that image of her on that album cover like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, Doing her no, stomp. I was literally, I was listening to the radio the other day and Money Changes Everything came oh on. God, and I was like, I fucking song. love this song. And I was like, damn, she can wail. <laughs>
what were you, what were you doing, doing Jason? I was in Comac. I was in the Comac school district puttering around uh, in 11th grade. No, I was thinking, though, I was trying to think of like a memory from this time. And I don't know if you guys, ever, were you, well, were you guys in like the chorus in school? Yes. Like in, were you, I was in band. You were in band. I was in yeah. band and but chorus. But you probably had the same thing. And I don't know if every school had this, but it always felt like a, a real, a real scam. But uh, <laughs> we used to have these things during other periods when you had like, actual classes like English, math, social stuff, you would have like once a week, maybe twice a week, you would have these little pieces of paper from the chorale department that said voice pass on such and such a date for Jason O'Connell, blah, blah, blah. He has to skip fourth period or miss sixth period to come and have an extra voice lesson, like an outside of chorus voice lesson. Wow. We had, I had a ton of these passes. I think I may, I think I probably took it to the Xerox machine and I was like, oh, I'll just <gasps> get a few of these going for myself when I feel like. So I, I was like one of the quote unquote good kids. Who, yeah, I you was know, just going to say, you were too good to do that. You were No, I was a good kid, way. but it was like, it was the but privilege. That's the thing, you were it was so the, good. So people would, they, they wouldn't suspect you. They'd be like, oh, Jason wouldn't do uh, that. And, 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 we, and my, my group of friends, that's how we all were. We were like the nice kids, the good kids, good grades in the arts, in the this and that. And like everybody just gave us, literally, I'd be like, I have a voice. As I was remembering this, as, and now as I'm speaking about it, I'm remembering my more nefarious kind of my, my, my involvement in the, in the charade. But when it's, when I started having this memory, I was like, that's just so funny that they gave us all these passes and we were allowed to get out of class just willy nilly. And, and we would go down to the chorus room and hang out with our teacher, Mr. Blunt. And he would like do, I know, great name, right? Wow. Fuller Blunt. That was his name. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast. Yeah, before. you have mentioned that Fuller name. Fuller Blunt. Incredible. He was a, just a great man, a, such a, a sweetheart of a man. And he directed all the school musicals. And I remember this fo the following year, 88, he retired. And the last thing he directed was Godspell. And I remember how upset we all were. And like, we sang to sir with love on closing night, you know, and gave him flowers and a plaque or whatever. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, we he, was, he was the Mr. Man. Holland of uh, Comac. He absolutely was Mr. Holland. He was absolutely the Mr. Holland. And we just <laughs> loved him so much, but he was like, and he was just a cool guy too. And so when we would show up, because now I'm remembering sometimes there was like a scheduled thing that we would get out of math class for or whatever and go and then sometimes we just end up down there you know like hanging out in the music room and he was like what's up boys and we'd sit and talk and we just that was how we got out of stuff he was that teacher for you that's he was that every, teacher yeah, that's good. but you i'm thinking that. i'm thinking more about our the the scheme the the the, the, the <laughs> grift the scam of it all <laughs> which grift. i really didn't remember my part in until i started speaking about it and i was like motherfucker you copied those passes that's why you got to go so many times it was probably like once a month i was supposed to go like have an extra voice lesson and i probably did it twice a week but um you but, were yeah. the angelica houston of your school grifting everyone <laughs> trying to attempting to grift. in more ways than one and i'll leave it there <laughs> If you can get, but again, it, it's always, it's so funny that like you were a good kid. So when you did sort of drift off, you know, to the mm -hmm. dark side, no one suspected no. it. They're like, no, you can do that because, but I remember, uh, uh, I think it might've been around this time. It was me. We were hanging out at Joe Salvatore's house and it was me, Joe, Josh, Damon, 
and Joe's brother, Anthony Salvatore, was sort of like a wild child. And <laughs> we decided, we were like bored on a weekend and we're like, you know, let's go out and, and egg some cars. Like, why not? We'll egg some cars because that's fucking smart to do. It was like a Friday night. So we went to the Americana shopping mall and we got some eggs and we hid behind this fence. And then we saw a car coming. So we're like, oh, no. great, go. Oh, no. And we threw the eggs. And they hit. I was like, you know, none of us were athletes. Damon was an athlete. Damon and Josh were. But we're, and Joe. Okay, I was an athlete. <laughs> wow. Everyone else was an athlete. Wow. Everybody else had but, an arm. But, but whatever. Know. We, on our first throw, boom, hit a car. And then we hear, and we're like, shit. Yep. So we start yep. running. We race up the block to Joe's house, right? Oh, Okay, so what happened was it was me, Joe, and Anthony, Josh and Damon, because they're the good kids, they were like, no, we don't we don't want to do this. So uh, they said, okay, we'll just walk around. We'll walk and sort of keep our eye out and we'll we'll tell you if a car's coming and make sure like no cops are coming or whatever. Uh-huh. So they were like, uh, you know, the, the watch. So we throw it, we take off, right? Josh and Damon, they're just coming. So they're just now slowly walking up the hill to come home. <laughs> Suddenly, the car that we hit comes tearing up the street. Oh my God. And it's a red firebird. And, and I remember Joe and Anthony and I were like cowering in Joe's living room, looking out the window. And we see Josh and Damon slowly walking up the street. And suddenly the car comes pulling up behind them. Oh no. They jump out and they throw them down to the ground. Oh no. They're about to beat the shit out of them. But they were saved because, like, they're like, you motherfuckers, you egged our car. And they're going, no, we didn't. And someone recognized Josh. And so, wait a minute. I know this kid. This is Greg Kleinberg's brother. He, he's too much of a pussy to do that oh. or something. Like, because... Because Josh was known like he was a good kid, you know, That's like his family, so like the Claymores were like, a, they, they were good kids. They didn't do stupid shit like That's this. You know, great. they were upstanding citizens. And so to your point, Jason, God. like he was, and granted, they didn't have anything to do with it. They were watching out, but yeah. they, listen, I'll put it, they, they weren't, they weren't <laughs> hell raisers. Like uh, us. See? Uh, yeah, Desperately, I'm let's just finally, 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 finally after 40 Jesus minutes Christ. of recording, which will be seven minutes to you, the listener at home, once I'm through with it. Finally, old and gray, we find ourselves. Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what else is there to say? I think we all, I think in a weird way, we're all avoiding talking about this. That's it. But we can't anymore. It's time for Hellraiser. I have seen the future of horror. His name is Clive Barker. I have been in this business 52 years, and I worked. I've never seen anything like this. And reality is the situation. And I... I can't speak. I have a ton of ideas to put on television about uh, people and their love for each other. Hellraiser, beyond any terror you have imagined. 
sexual deviant Frank, played by Sean Chapman. I literally, I got that off of the Wikipedia and I was like, that's the perfect way to start a description yeah. of this film. Sexual deviant Frank, played by Sean Chapman, inadvertently opens a portal to hell when he tinkers with a box he bought from someone doing a Hank Azaria-like character voice that would have been funny at the time, but is now deeply offensive. Somewhere in, I want to say, the Middle East? Anyway, this act unleashes gruesome beings called Cenobites who tear Frank's body apart. When Frank's brother Larry, played by Andrew Robinson, best known for playing Liberace in a TV movie during the May 1988 sweeps, and his wife Julia, played by Claire Higgins, move into Frank's old house, they accidentally bring what is left of Frank back to life. Frank then convinces Julia, his one-time lover, and you know this because he puts his fingers in her mouth constantly over the course of this movie. It's something that... It reminded me so much of Phenomenon, where it's like, just like, you know, just like, just (laughs) hands on faces and like, you know, fingers and mouths. Um, Anyway, when Frank convinces- Michael Phenomenon, you're going to hell. Julia, his one-time lover, to lure men back to the house so he can use their blood to reconstitute himself. Mm. The most famous of the Cenobites, a motley group of leather daddies sporting some creepy-ass prosthetics, is Pinhead, a super cool-looking character who is on every poster you've ever seen for this movie and who is essentially synonymous with the film despite never being called Pinhead in the movie and having only seven minutes of screen time. Hellraiser spawned nine sequels, all of which I'm sure are delightful, and was a... (laughs) and was a blood-soaked feather in the flesh cap of its creator, Clive Barker, making his directorial debut. Hellraiser made $4.4 million over its opening weekend on its way to $14.5 million worldwide. Whew, Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of the Hellraiser? All right, I'll I'll start this one because you guys, this is your first time seeing it, right? Yep. Okay, yeah, I've seen it before. So I'll, 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 I'll start kick it off all right this movie i think i think upon a second rewatch now the first time i watched it i was uh, just this is the stupidest thing i've ever seen why would anyone do this clive barker was drunk high both who cares this is just the 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 ramblings of a lunatic mind and why and who and and it's it's just utterly unappealing from beginning to end. The leads are unappealing. The acting is unappealing. The story is unappealing. I don't know what we're supposed to get out of it. And I don't know what we're supposed to do with the information that this movie is giving us. I don't know what, what is it for and who is it for? Who knows? But upon a second rewatch, I was trying to go, okay, but there has to be something about it. Because it spawned nine sequels and it's uh, and there's a fascination. What's that's where I was going. What's where what's the fascination? What's the entry point at which you go? Okay, I see what people see about this. And I think I think it's just the idea that there's something beyond this world that can be unleashed just like Fred's band that can be <laughs> unleashed into this world that can then offer you. And you don't see this in the movie. All you see is when these f- f- things show up, people get ripped to shreds. 
but the idea of no, no, they offer you pleasure and pain in equal measure. And if you're really a sadomasochist, then that's what you're in it for. You know, mm-hmm. that's an interesting conceit. I think that's that may be what people were like, oh, that's why this pinhead character is cool or whatever, you know, or, or, or what they do or what they claim to do is cool because there's something that is deeply psychologically disturbing about that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, in a in an odd, dark, dark way, intriguing, right? It's why people go to, you know, S&M clubs. I would never go, mm-hmm. but it's why people go, right? It's so a I'm fetish going, movie. Maybe that yeah. Yes, exactly. There you it's go. It's all about Perf- fetishes in this put, movie. It's a fetish movie. And maybe that's the in. It holds no fascination whatsoever for me. I still don't like this. But I'm going, is that is that why people, is that for the same reasons that Saw spawned so many sequels and, yeah. and things like that? Is it just the, the fetishization of that? I mean, you know, again. Yeah, maybe I can't get into that at all. But and I think this movie's terrible. But the 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 I guess that's the entry point um, for you. Really, what I what I'm in this for is to see what you guys thought of this <laughs> thing, this this creation, because I, you've never seen it before after all these years. You guys have been avoiding well, it. You said right actively. Yeah, I, I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Go ahead, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see it when it came out. I saw it. I saw it maybe, I don't know, ten, uh, eight to 10 years ago for the first time. And uh-huh. I went, Ugh. and then I watched the second one because I was like, well, let me let me see what the continued fascination is. And the second one, if you thought this one was freaking gross, watch f- any five, choose any five minutes of the second one. You'll need a vomit bucket. Oh, no. Yeah. No, I'm good. Speaking <laughs> of which, I, 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 I will say for anyone who is interested in watching this after hearing this winning endorsement, mm. uh, but, but, but I'll get to that too. Uh, just, you know, pro tip from, you know, from, since we are the pros in the podcast, don't watch this movie while eating eggplant parm. Oh my God. Because, <laughs> I was. I couldn't so, eat blueberries. I had blueberries, and I was like, "I can't eat." I, I literally can't eat. spit it squishes. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. a huge fan of eggplant anyway, but Kate made this eggplant parm, and I was sort of having a bit of it the night before. And I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have some more. I'm gonna have the leftovers." And it's like a weird texture anyway. Like I like you know, for me, it's like chicken parm, veal parm. But but I wanted to be. I'm nooming. I'm trying to stay healthy. So I'm like, All right, I'm gonna go the eggplant parm. I literally like, within five minutes, I was like, yeah, I could feed it within back five out and minutes. Throw it away. The guy looks like eggplant parm. It looks say, like yeah. it looks like you dropped eggplant parm when they're putting his face back together like a puzzle. It's like this just looks like the cheese off the top of an eggplant parm. <laughs> Anybody else want eggplant parm now? I do. God, I'm so hungry. I do. Oh, um, yeah, God. no, it, dude, I couldn't eat blueberries. I was like, well, I I'm still having anything. a hard time eating. So here's the thing with this movie. I did not see it when it came out, obviously. I was aware of it only because, as I mentioned earlier, I, I, I did work at B. Dalton's for a time uh, mm. in, in high school. It might have been, it, it might, may have been around this time. I, I feel like it was a little later. I feel like it was maybe my junior year. But anyway, because I was there, and I've mentioned this before in the podcast, I was a huge Stephen King fan. I loved Stephen King. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing the Clive Barker books at B. Dalton's. Mm-hmm. And even the books scared me. And I always remember 
And I looked it up because I remember there was a Stephen King quote on the book covers where he said, I've seen the future of horror and his name is Clive Barker. I remember that quote. And, and always thinking, I really like Stephen King, but I, I don't know. I'm too, I'm too scared to follow you on this one, Stevie. Like mm-hmm. I just, it looked like it was a, br- it was a bridge too far. This looked like it was something different. Uh, and then when the movie came out, I was, I was like, oh, it's that dude, Clive Barker. So I, but I did not want to go. I didn't, you know, as, as we've spoken about, I, I didn't rush to the scary movies. So yeah, I, when I sat down to watch this with my eggplant parm, it was with a lot of trepidation, which is how I, I, I often sit down to watch these movies because I'm such a wuss. So I get scared. I'm like, Ooh, what's going to be, but oftentimes I will have fun watching them and be like, okay, that was great. Um, I don't know what I felt. What it's, yeah, it's, 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 really poorly acted. It's not well directed. I mean, Clive Barker in interviews I've read has joked about it that like there was no budget. Um, You know, he didn't know what he was doing. He made like two movie. It was his first movie. He made two short films. um, If any movie ever needed to be on a soundstage or a set, it's this movie. He shot it in an actual house. Uh He made it impossible to shoot the thing. He, it's all these crazy, it's, 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 it's crazy how and even terribly paced the shots don't make sense like he doesn't know how to yes. make a movie yet yeah or ever and, and, maybe yeah <laughs> and you get that and but so i, I don't want to jump to sheila's but i was having a we conversation <laughs> no, no, no 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 because my point being I, I was out last night with our good friend pete did you go out for eggplant parm yeah we went out for eggplant parm uh so we went out to eat and we saw a concert and we were talking and I asked him, I said, hey, have you ever seen Hellraiser? He's like, yeah, I remember seeing it. And that's when the guy's body gets pulled apart by the chains. And, you know, then I threw up the eggplant parm again <laughs> that we were eating. And so he was like, so, hey, right. can you, you know, what, what would your Sheila rating be? Can you give me like a little inside scoop? <laughs> and I never think about the Sheilas. I never think about it as I'm watching them. It's really like, you know, as we're doing this, I just sort of whatever comes to me. Oh. And... Mm-hmm. I was thinking, and I still don't know what it was, but it was sort of on the lower scale because it's not a great movie. But Pete's point was, I'm like, but I can't stop thinking about it. It was horrifying to me. So Mm -hmm. this movie is not for me. It's not, but for someone who is into Mm -hmm. horror movies and who are into into the idea of that fetishization of, you know, that whole different, the pain and pleasure paradox there. I would think it's pretty effective. And I would think that, as you said, Jason, nine sequels, you know, there's got to be a reason. There's got, there's an audience for, it. there's a cult following. So I think they're mostly that, straight to video. And from what I've heard, they're all, they are progressively worse than this. So oh, I, wow. but okay. I, mean, I don't think they've, what's funny is there's a, Next week, I think, or in a couple yeah, of weeks, there's Netflix. a new Hellraiser series on, or Hulu, I think it is. Oh, is it Hulu? Okay. Uh, I think yeah. so. With a woman as Pinhead and yes. they're, they're keeping Pinhead front and center. But um, it's, uh, <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like as that, that the iconography of it. But uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 there's something about it that there's endures. something about it. it, it yeah. There's something about Pinhead. Well, but that's, but I think <laughs> but that's I what think... it is, is that image. It's such a cool Villain, I, you know, we've, we've been, sorry, I don't, Fred, finish what you were saying and then I'll talk about. No, no, no. The iconography the, of I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a low, I would give it a low, you know, Sheila, like I don't ever want to see this movie again, but it was effective in whatever it was trying to do because it's like, 
in my bones now. Like mm. I can't get those images out of my head. And it's just, but I I think you're right, Dan. I think that's what it is. It's about, I think that's why people, you know, go to it because it it is uh, that idea of what's, what's the difference between pain and pleasure and this like forbidden world, like, Ooh, what if we could explore all our forbidden fantasies? You know, I, I think that's maybe what he was going for, but he, his therapist didn't guide him enough, you know, with his own <laughs> fucked up musings to get there. But I mean, it's very, you know, cause it's, it's also, it's so violent and just disgusting, but it's so, there's such a, a huge sexual overtone right oh, yeah. from the start. I mean, one of the first images is that like that weird, um, the, the, the little, totem of the the two people having yes. sex and like the roach crawling over it yeah. mm-hmm. which you know you're like all right metaphor i guess yeah uh but uh, oh it's just it's it's goopy you the know movie is goopy. do you know what you should do if you're gonna have a movie with sexy overtones have sexy people in it at oh, least well, give yeah. us that the leads in this thing all three They're of terrible. them the 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 mother her husband and the lover are all so deeply unappealing yes they're just unappealing you just go i don't want to see these people get it get busy you know even the you know and the daughter and uh, her boyfriend i'm point. like this is gross this is unappe- they're unappealing they don't know how to, you know, I mean, the, 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 I don't want to watch, I want to, I'd rather watch Pinhead tear them apart, honestly, I'd rather <laughs> well, watch true. them, you know, kiss each other's chin awkwardly It's and, and stick fingers on in each other's face. I mean, all the They're fingers gross. in the mouths. It's a lot of fingers. So much. I actually thought the wife, I was like, as, as bad low budget horror movies go, I was like, all right, I'm I'm seeing like I actually was like I don't think she's that horrible. I think especially in she was the, the moments best of when the lot. yeah, the men I did not care for uh, at all, and the guy who plays is Frank the one who gets reanimated. He's like yeah, a, he's but real bad. But that's like it's that's, two actors. It's two different actors. Uh, uh, two, uh, <laughs> They're both. Was his voice overdubbed? Yeah. Well, a lot is overdubbed yeah. because the film was made in England and then they were mm-hmm. like, it's too English. So they, a lot of actors are dubbed in this mm-hmm. movie. Because his voice and sometimes, was ridiculous. And sometimes so ridiculous. there are actors who feel like they're dubbed in one scene and not in another, like where it's Agreed. like an American accent and then they have a British accent. Yeah. So the movie doesn't feel like it, it has no sense of place. It's like nope. a, it's like a, a, how, a, a house somewhere in the English countryside probably, but they're trying to make it feel like this is California or is yeah. I, you know, I don't know where they're trying to make it feel like, but it doesn't have a strong sense of of place to begin with. Yeah, they're all unappealing. Like the 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 wife, Claire Higgins, as Julia, she is unappealing in so many ways. She's she's cold. She's repressed. She's angry. You know, you don't like her because she's doesn't seem to have a connection with her husband at first. She's there's like severe. there's something very it's it's very like, very severe and has yeah. a severe look to her. That's the way yes. she's costumed and made up and everything else. And the world's treating her like she's she's the Angelina Jolie. It's well, like, that's yes, yes. I mean, that's, this is an that's unappealing person. I'm sorry, but I did. But in terms of her, uh, to take it away from like yeah, like her 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 looks or her look in this movie, I, what I thought was. Not interesting. I can't even believe I'm starting with it, but I did. And I can't even say like, I can't believe I'm saying the word like, but 
You know, she goes through this thing. But basically, what this reminded me of the most when I was, I was like, well, this is a little shop of horrors. This is she's basically <laughs> Seymour Krellborn, and she's got to keep bringing uh, like meat good. to the plant to, to Audrey it. too to very feed good. it and make it grow and get stronger and healthier. So she's yeah. like, so you, you know, all it. these guys she brings back are like Steve Martin. <laughs> the, the, the you know who's the best act? Actually, yeah. the best the actor guy. in the entire thing. The first, the first guy. guy. The first guy's fine. He's the first fine. Guy he's great. Is very You're good. Like, he, they're like, well, it's obviously they found some dude who was like, had it off time from playing Richard II at the RSC. <laughs> yeah, he's a very good actor. And was like, oh, yeah, I'll do a movie. I've never done a movie before. Yeah. I'll do it. And like, he was fantastic. He was yeah. interesting. He was, he was very honest. good. He was very <laughs> he good. What and he was I, doing. It was my favorite yeah. performance in the movie. It was that guy. But yeah. her, I, what I was going to say is the arc of her, and it's very simple. It's like, all right, we're going to show you like, three of these instances where she brings people back and to see how her reaction, you know, her fear, her trepidation, her horror at what she's about to do and what she's leading the guy into the first time and her complex feelings in the aftermath of it. And then as it goes to the second guy and the third guy, how businesslike she gets about it all, how much she kind sure. of mm-hmm. is enjoying it and is turned on by it in a creepy way. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I think she was playing... I think she was playing with some complicated things and did a, 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 a for a movie like this, did a, a good job with what she had to do. That's Agreed. about the best thing I can say about a Hellraiser, <laughs> which I mean, in fact, I thought it was, I mean, it's disgusting. It's really disgusting, but not as disgusting as I thought it was going to be. Really? In a weird way. Yeah. I just had, I thought it was going to be even more grotesque. And I read some stuff beforehand to prepare myself, right? So I knew the mm. fact that it was shot in England and and I had read a lot about the pleasure versus disgusting. pain oh. thing and and how what Clive Barker was going for. And I read some very highfalutin things about the the Cenobites and what it all means and spirituality. And I was like, oh, does this movie have something on its mind? And yeah, I guess it does, but it doesn't really track that way. It doesn't play that way. It just, it's just, it's um it's not spectacle, isn't the word I'm looking for. It's a sensationalism you know it's all like you know it's, it's just traffics and just like can you believe what you're seeing can you believe how sick these people are and how gross this is but but it, not in the way that the thing does right no, not at the all the thing is gross the thing has amazing effects the thing is goopy and gloppy and, and 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 all but it has a great great conceit at the center of it oh, yeah. amazing performances and it mm. is genuinely scary this is uh, not absolutely. scary I'm not no, this scared. is sickening. This, this my is just stomach. sickening. Yeah, yeah exactly. It makes sick. you feel. It makes you feel sick. It makes you feel yeah. sick while you're watching, even when it's not a bloody scene or a torturous scene. It just has this whole. There's something about movies like it has like a uh, almost like a, a, a maybe not a snuff film quality, but certainly oh, when we talk about those yeah, the video does. boxes in the back of the store that are dusty and yeah, and, and no, this gross. Has that it's like ew, the thing that you don't want to pick up that you feel dirty yeah. or weird about putting in the VCR. That's what this movie feels like. And, disorderlies. Uh, it's a, it's, it's <laughs> yes. the disorderlies um, of horror films. What, what I, Speaking oh, of which, uh, the Fat Boys are on the charts in 1987. Yeah, yeah. let's go back yes. to that. That's yeah. why I equate Boys, with the music uh, of back. the 80s. Um, yeah, okay, okay, I, okay, what did okay, I want to okay. say about it? Though? I thought there was one other interesting thing in terms of things that I liked. I mean, it's, rid- it's a ridiculous <laughs> fucking movie. You know, he, he scratches his hand on a nail and he's oh bleeding like he, you know, yeah. like he got hit by three cars. Yeah. Uh, you know, stupidity. But, but there, was, uh, there was one image I was like, oh, this is like, 
is like the telltale heart because the blood cre- it mm-hmm. goes down into the floorboards and you see the heart expanding and then you see yeah. the floorboards creaking and it's not the same conceit as the Poe, but it, the images it traffics in feel like that, you know, hidden secrets, something buried coming to light or, you know, I, I don't know. That's, a, again, that's about the best I can say for it. You know, like I like a, a I like a Sam Raimi or a Freddy Krueger movie. I like comedy and wit and like a little tongue in the cheek with my horror movies, unless it's None the of thing, which yeah. is the greatest horror movie, you know, like one sure. of the greatest ever or the shining, which I love, which is not a very mm. funny, movie. you know, like right. they, some of them traffic on like, like high art. And then a lot of them are like, you know, play with humor. This has really no humor. <laughs> the only things that were fu- literally the only thing that was funny to me in the movie. And it did make me laugh out loud several times is he's got no skin, but he's got like shirts and he's pants wearing, on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's got clothes. He puts on, he's got like ready for casual Friday and he's bleeding through the shirts and stuff. I was like, why are you putting shirts on yet? You don't have skin on your body. So that I found amusing. Um, every time there was a cut to him and every time she brought, I laughed a lot because in between me spitting up the eggplant, because whenever she would bring one of her, you know, paramours back, there would always be these random shots, these random cut shots <laughs> yeah. to half formed Frank, just sort of like looking up, waiting in the corner. Yeah, and yeah, every yeah. time <laughs> I laugh, it was so ridiculous. Yeah, because was, he looks like Slim Goodbody. Remember Slim Goodbody? <laughs> yes. He's the Slim Goodbody of horror villains. I, I, to me, the, 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 great, the greatest weakness of this film and where, and there are so many is Pinhead's stupid. Pinhead is not scary. Pinhead's in it for four minutes. He's got a dumb voice. And it's like, I was like, what is frightening about Pinhead? Pinhead is the least threatening, least disturbing thing about this movie. When you see the image of like, like pins in a head and, and the cross hatching where you're like, oh, these are pieces of like, when you know that the idea is these things come out and they rip a person apart. And then you see the main, what you're, told is the main character mm-hmm. with a, what looks like a bunch of different sections stitched together and held by pins. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's what it is. Like I thought he was going to come apart or that that's what happened to people. Once they got, you know, if they wanted to come back together after being pulled apart, they had to be pinned together. I didn't know what, I don't know what pinhead is. And, I don't, and, and it's so fucking random. It's like, you know, like one guy comes in, looks like Harvey Weinstein. Another one comes in, looks like Randy Jackson. And there's another, another woman looks like the, the Baldy from Star Trek, the motion picture. And they're all standing there in leather gear. And I'm like, and none of them do anything except look weird and yeah. say like, no, you touched the box. The best effect in the movie, the box is cool. The box is like, oh, that's a cute, that's an interesting little, I do, I don't the intricacies of the puzzle box look cool. I it's guess. not intricate. First of all, the rules of the puzzle box make no sense. They at, make at, no at, sense. At one time, the puzzle box does its own thing and it starts yeah. solving itself. And then he's like, you solved the box. It's like. She didn't solve the box. The box solved itself. So boo. And then there, yeah, it's and dumb. Then, again, newsman, the box ain't that hard to solve. Push the button in the middle. <laughs> you've unleashed the Cenobites. Boom. You solved the box. We came. Now you must come with us. Taste our pleasures. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. 
there was a great quote by uh, by Clive Barker that I read that I guess they had because the special effects at the end, you know, the the weird laser things, they looked terrible. Oh, so bad. But uh, they said effects. that there was no left, no money left for the special effects. You know, it was a low budget. So he said there was no money left for the special effects at the end. So Barker and a quote unquote Greek guy animated <laughs> the scenes by wow. hand over the weekend. And he said they actually turned out pretty well considering all the alcohol that was consumed that weekend. Wow. They actually are very good if that's what happened. If a nameless Greek guy comes to your house <laughs> and, and gets the celluloid and by hand is painting on it, that's pretty good. That's quite good. Now, this was, um, it was, here's the thing. It was based on a short story. And I think, I think it, and apparently in the, <laughs> yeah, but in the it's short story, Christmas Carol, oddly enough, those are the, those are the, those are the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. And Pinhead is Bob Marley or Jacob Marley. But in the description for the short story, and there's so much to unpack here, it says that the Cenobites are from a religious sect in hell known as the Order of the Gash. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth! Okay. Describing themselves as explorers in the further regions of experience and granting sadomastic, sadomasochistic pleasures to those who call upon them. So I think this was some- They don't do that. They don't do any of that. They just rip you to shreds. That's what I'm saying. I think this was, Clive Barker was working some shit out in a short story (laughs) and playing around with the ideas of (laughs) S&M and pain versus pleasure and that world Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, this fetishism and, and- Maybe in a short story, it worked better. I don't know. But then, you know, with the, you know, a lot of times people are able to expand a short story into great feature length films. But Clyde Barker, obviously, at the time wasn't able to do that and was just like, well, let's just go. Let's take this this interesting sort of weird, perverse idea that I want to play with, you know, pain versus pleasure. Is there a difference? Uh, But just didn't know how to pad it into a full length movie and made this horror movie. So that's why there's. I, I, watching it, I sensed that there were ideas. Yes, you know there was there was a lot of religious iconography, and he's basically at the end. Frank, he's basically crucified at the end. You know, yeah. so I feel like they're playing with these things that maybe Clive Barker again was working out with his therapist. You know, and put into the short story, <laughs> but it just none of it adds up to a full length feature film that really makes any sense or holds any interest, other than just you know if you're into that nauseating, <laughs> you know, uh, this, that nauseating horror Body genre, horror, which I am yeah. not. So that's why, you know, moving to Sheila's, mm-hmm. I would probably give it a low Sheila, you know, I, because I don't really want to see it. I, I'd maybe give it a, f- I don't know, a five. Ooh, it, really for, generous. No, wow. no. For me, it's lower. Actually. I would say it's like a, 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 a Two or three. Yeah. Uh, but I can see, but it's weird. I can see how people would be in. If you're into this type of movie, I can see you'd be like, this is fucking awesome because it's just, oh, I know people crazy. who love it, who love yeah. this movie and really? are just, and it's like, oh, really? Why and what do they love it for? For the themes or for like a guy gets pulled apart? I think I think I mean, they just consider it a horror classic and they're just like, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. They kind of rub their hands together and go, oh, this is a goodie. And it's like, it ain't mm. a goodie. It's a, it's stupid. It's just stupid. <laughs> I, 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 you know, um, no one seems to no one seems to care. The, the Kirsty doesn't seem to care that when she's like, daddy, you're alive, that his 
scalp seems yeah, to be that was amazing. On. You must yeah, have laughed. That was like ridiculous. I that. laughed like crazy. I was like, and can you not tell that you that your uncle wearing a skin suit? I mean, he's bleeding so much. He's bleeding at the from scalp the seams line. of his own of his <laughs> own hairline. I thought it was crazy. I was you like, know? is she not seeing that? It's is like she not it's like it? uh, an, an accident happened at Cy Sperling's. It's disgusting, <laughs> and she's utterly ignoring it. And then the other, and then I thought I the, missed something. I was like, did they say like, oh, no. daddy, you were in a fight. You're bleeding. Did they say something about that? You or didn't what? miss anything. It okay. just goes utterly. And then all the things that are like, you know, this, the, the creature shows up, you know, and she's like, or she sees Frank for the first time. And she's like, oh no, no, you get away from me. It's like, you would be shitting your pants with fear. And the same thing with the dumb boyfriend at the end. Suddenly the gates of hell open up and there's that fish face creature, that other thing that, that crawls along the walls yeah, of yeah, the yeah. corridor. Yeah. And he's a like, big giant dick. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. Oh, was, again, wait, it was like the weird, the second one is, that's the thing I, like that's that. the thing I thought looked like Harvey Weinstein. And then the one with glasses, <laughs> Uh, the glasses, for some reason, yes. look like Randy Jackson. It does. It does. <laughs> they have the same Idol. tongue. And the, and the and but the guy, the boyfriend, is like, oh my gosh, the box, the box. Turn it this way. Turn the top side <laughs> clockwise. It's like you wouldn't be. You know nothing about the box. You don't know that this comes <laughs> right. from a box, you dummy. You'd be shitting yourself with fear. Well, it just fear. gets it's, worse and worse towards the end. I mean, it just gets so dumber and dumber stupid. and dumber as it goes. One yeah. Sheila. This, <laughs> this, this, this movie is is nothing but trouble meets meet Wally Sparks. It's, that is what it, remind, it really did remind me of nothing oh but trouble, especially the big Harvey Weinstein guy looked like Bobo. Oh so, God. you know what? Okay, I'll give it, I'll give it to Sheila's... But I'll get, but uh, you know, maybe four for the people who are into this shit. I don't know. I don't know what I'm to. I'm not give worried it. about the people who are into okay. this. But I'll give, I'm going to give. Well, no, but I see what you're saying. I think that's <laughs> that's gen- it shit. is generous of you to be thinking, and that's good to say. Like you know, if it's your cup of tea, this kind of movie. Yeah. If this is your plate of eggplant parm, then <laughs> you'll enjoy this. But uh, I'm not thinking about that. I I had a three down, but I think I'm going to go. To a two, I was like vacillating between two and three, and for some reason, I thought you liked this, Dan. And I was like, "That's what I thought too." Because you were like, "Oh, wait till you see it," and I was like, "Well, he's gonna he's gonna talk me up anyway, so mm-hmm. I'll go three. But I think I'm, I think I'm more realistically a, a two because I would never want to watch it again, and I would not recommend that anyone see it. Even if you're even if you're into this kind of thing, I'd be like, "Well, watch the Evil Dead movies, watch Drag sure. Me to Hell, like watch a great Sam Raimi or yeah. something like that, or The Thing, if or you want to see yeah, some body right. horror stuff." But or if you want a if you want a gross out experience that also does does something psychologically to you for real, watch either Texas the, Chainsaw. The, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first Hostel, which is. I well, couldn't get I that out of my head oh, for I a won't, week. I won't ever watch that. I won't. No, it's a good, it's a good movie. movie. Eli I'm Roth's sure Hostel it is, but is I, good. I won't. Nope. I can't will, see that will, or the Saw movies. I won't see I've it. never seen Saw. <laughs> I'm telling you, on this podcast, I since I pick these things, I will not be picking a weekend with Hostel or Saw. In good. It. I'm Thank telling you. you. I won't Thank do you. it. Uh, and, see, um, and see, I can't remember the name of the filmmaker, but the guy who made... Um, 
um, uh, Midsommar and uh, that mm. other one with Tony Collette. Um, I oh, can't Hereditary. Oh, yeah, that's another. Those what are other movies that I'm too scared Hereditary? to watch. Hereditary, Hereditary, Hereditary and Midsommar that. are. Um, they will mess you up for life, but they're really good. They're yeah. really, really yeah. good. That's what I've heard. Watch those. Don't watch this ridiculous thing. Yeah. I'll, so I'll, I'll sit no. with two. Sheila, I, I agree with you, yeah. Dan. Or the yeah, Fly, yeah. the Jeff Goldblum Fly. That's So these, it's not like that they have to be bad you know sometimes you're like well this genre they're just bad and so whatever it's like no but mm. even like Wes Craven the Nightmare on Elm Street movies the yeah. early ones are or the first one and then the third one those yeah. are I think strong enough you know and much better than this in my opinion but um, I love a good gross out effect but th- this movie would have been would have been mid middling Sheila if you had leads who were appealing and could mm. act. That's, that's the, that's my biggest flaw. Forget all the gross out and the pinhead and all that stuff. It, Frank especially really turned me off right from the beginning. And Larry yeah. and her, I mean, it's, she, you're right, Jason. She comes out, you know, I not smelling like a rose, but she comes out a little better them. than the other two. But Larry I, I, is I, the I, one I, I've seen in the most things. He's been in Dirty Harry. He's been in, he was that Liberace. I remember seeing that TV movie. He played Liberace. I mean, he, wow. he's probably the actor with the most credits, the husband, Larry, but, uh, but he doesn't come off well. It's not like you're saying like, well, there's no. the, there's the actor in this movie. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. the, the, but he also, mm-hmm. but they all have thankless shit to do. The one person who has the most interesting arc anyway, probably is the wife. And so, you know, there you go. And one she, last piece of trivia, alleg- allegedly the Larry actor, the guy we're talking about. Yes. Um, the, the, the original line when he's getting his face pulled at the end and, oh, he's, yeah. and he's strung up um, uh, by the Cenobites, the line, he says, Jesus wept. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he says that, but he says that that was a line the actor came up with on, on, oh. on set. Do you know what the original scripted line was? What? Let her rip. <laughs> God, I wish if it was a Freddy Krueger movie, it would have been. Right, exactly. Yeah. The original scripted line was, fuck you. Oh. Clive Barker, you're the worst <laughs> screenwriter, the worst filmmaker, fuck you. and the worst human. And who is it? He's saying it to the Cenobites, like, fuck you. No, he's saying it to Kirsty. He's oh, saying it to Kirsty. Well, who knows who he's saying it to? Hopefully, he's saying it to Clive Barker. Hopefully that's someone saying I think it to we him. have with our yeah. Sheila ratings. I'm okay. Clive Barker was like, no, I want you to say the line is written. And that actor was like, no, I, I want to have my say. And Clive Barker was like, no. And he's like, Clive Barker, I will not. I, I won't be ignored. I, knew it. I won't be ignored, I knew Clive it. Barker. So uh, we should always say on this podcast now, I won't be ignored, Dan, whenever Dan ignores us. But he never does. <laughs> Please. Believe me, I was trying to work that in. I was trying work to get to in. a point where Dan like cut me off in something. And then I wanted to say that. But. I usually do. Uh, yeah, insta- yeah. Instead of Jesus wept, he should have, sorry to go back to Hellraiser. Instead of Jesus wept, he should have looked around that filthy room and said, Jesus swept. <laughs> At least Jesus cleaned up after himself. <laughs> he swept. Somebody sweep the, anyway, uh, fatal attraction. Uh, <laughs> Good. Okay. Let's talk about. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about all the trouble you'll get into. It's crazy. Let's talk about sex with Glenn Close. Let's talk about sex and turn I that water on. 55. <laughs> 
fatal attraction. Oh. A look that led to an evening. We were attracted to each other at the party. That was obvious. You're on your own for the night. That's also obvious. A mistake he'd regret all his life. Now, where's your wife? For Dan Gallagher, played by Michael Douglas, life is good. He's on the rise at his New York law firm, happily married to wife Beth, played by Ann Archer, and has a loving daughter, played by adorable little Ellen Hamilton Latson. But after a casual fling with sultry book editor Alex Forrest, played by Glenn Close, everything changes. Jilted by Dan, Alex becomes unstable, her behavior escalating from aggressive pursuit to obsessive stalking. Dan realizes that his main problem is not hiding his affair, but rather saving himself and his family. To turn Fatal Attraction into a mass audience film, writer James Dearden claims he knew there would have to be an escalation of the psychological violence, which in the end becomes physical. Disappointingly, despite mountains of evidence that suggest men are far more likely to stalk and harm women who spurn them than the other way around, Fatal Attraction's gender politics have loomed large in the public consciousness. Glenn Close has often spoken quite frankly about the representational issues of the film, especially in regard to how it views women and mental health issues. While Close wanted to give Alex the complexity she felt the character deserved, the film's rewritten ending tweaked to accommodate preview audiences' bloodlust, eliminated any chance for such nuance, painting Alex as an outright villain. Nevertheless, Close earned a Best Actress Oscar nod for her portrayal, and director Adrian Lin's erotic thriller was also a box office juggernaut, taking in $7.6 million over its opening weekend with a domestic haul of $156.6 million and a worldwide box office of over $320 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Fatal Attraction? Well, I saw this in the movie theaters. I remember that because it was like you had to go. I know. I didn't see it until home video, but I, yeah, it was such a huge hit. And so funny because it's basically like, like now it's like every lifetime original movie is this plot essentially, or a variation on this plot. Um, But back then it was like. This is where it all starts. And, you know, I feel like this is where it starts with Michael Douglas ended up becoming like he started getting to these like erotic thriller type genre movies that that became his thing. Uh, Falling down. It's really sexy. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Duvall. Ooh. Uh, I mean, I'll say this. uh, Saying erotic in a sexy, like this is a hot, sex scene this has like one of the it's 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 a truly i find that scene in the kitchen i'm like in rewatching it again going this is a fucking hot sex scene sexier like, than hellraiser no <laughs> let's, the, let's i think the elevator is now. sexier than the, the kitchen. that too <laughs> but it, it is it's sexy I think this is, it's, 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 yeah, the stuff you're saying there, there's some, there's some things that I guess you could look at it being as problematic now. I think it's a pretty near perfect movie though. And rewatching it, I normally sit and watch a movie and I'll take some notes here and there. There's a point. I just wanted to watch it. I was, I was, Hmm. 
it, it, it works. envelops you. It really it, works. Um, it worked. There, there's yeah. not a moment you could look. You could have quibbles with the end. And for the first time, I actually watched on YouTube. You can watch the original ending, which I'd never seen, and I'd heard about it because in the original ending, she basically kills her. She slashes she slashes her her throat oh. with the knife, and he's framed for it. Because, and there's that shot and watching it now, you say, oh, I see how it works at the end when she attacks him with the knife. There's a very deliberate shot of him holding the knife and putting it down. Mm -hmm. So the cops basically come to take him away and they're like, you know, we're going to see if we find prints on that knife, you know. I I even thought that it's so deliberate when he puts that knife down and I'm like, his fingerprints are all over that. And I know the movie, so I knew it didn't end that way, but it's interesting they were building that in and that would have you know, if you've got issues with saying like, well, they, they're both in hell here and they're both like, mm-hmm. there is, there is quote unquote punishment for both of them, you know, yeah. uh, for their, uh, for their actions. Well, that would do it, right? He gets framed for her murder and That's he's going to live, you know, either go to trial and either he'd go to jail for it or he'd go through this whole horrible process and, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, but audiences were like, no, they were like, boo. They're like, nope, we want her dead and we want him and Ann Archer to live happily ever after. And the movie Mm -hmm. does, it does take you down that road because I was like, this is problematic in so many ways. But I'm like, she just has to be eliminated. You're like, she has to be taken off the chessboard is the way you feel. You're like, that's what the movie's doing. It's making you say like, what else can you do with this person? But get rid of them. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a horror movie. It it's is. a horror movie in the sense that mm-hmm. she just keeps coming back. Uh, and it's, I, I found it really suspenseful and terrifying. And w- what I love about it, just going like starting from the top, they're all one. First of all, Ann Archer is the sexiest fucking woman. She's stupid. Beautiful. She's celluloid. stupid. Beautiful. Dunning. Unfortunately, she's a Scientologist, but she's, st- <gasps> Done. Oh, she wow. is. Oh yeah. But she's she. They're or all. She was, at least I don't know. If she they're is. all wonderful, top to bottom. The acting is great. That little girl is one of the best child actresses. She's adorable. I, I, you, I said she's the best. One of the best child performances. You can't take I've your eyes seen. off her. She's so is that so little great. girl also the little boy in Close Encounters? Because they look no. Oh no. God, you're ridiculous. <laughs> but, but they she's are. Wonderful. They, she's this wonderful. movie, Adrian Lynn does such a great job. Uh, setting them up as such a great lived in family. It feels that apartment, their relationship, everything feels lived in uh, and real and they're harried and the apartment's a mess and, you know, they have a nice relationship. I like also that there's no, it doesn't, there's no like rift in their relationship. You know, there's, there's nothing starting off. They, They have a, a lovely relationship. And I like that because I like the conceit that this is a guy who just, he does something stupid. He gives in to his baser instincts, mm-hmm. um, not basic instincts, <laughs> but his baser instincts. And that takes you us know, to our next movie, <laughs> Basic Instinct I, 2. Huh? You didn't see I that I really like the fact that that's what it is. Just a guy who does something stupid and he's, Gen, you know, he's generally a nice guy. It, it, you know, he does something stupid and he's an asshole and he's a shitty for doing it. He does try to deal with it in the best way, I guess, that he can. That's not saying much. He's still cheated on his wife. But I liked how, it, but it's it's a nice, so everything is lived in. There's a nice slow build. It, everything makes sense. But man, when it escalates, it fucking 
escalates, but it doesn't, it's not like it's coming out of nowhere, but then it just like, once it, once it starts going, it just builds, it builds, it builds. And there's such this great sense of dread. Uh, and you know, whether you like that ending or not, and I think they would have been braver to go with the original ending and it's, it's really dark. I mean, it's worth checking out on YouTube, uh, you know, and I guess I can see why audiences oh, it's on at YouTube. That, you can see yeah, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, I just saw the other day. That's what I said earlier. Um, but it, it, I, I can see why audiences at that time were like, no, 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 no. Because you want that release. You want that comeuppance, I guess. Uh, but the way the movie builds, it does, you know, it's, it's still, it, it, it builds to that. I, I can see it. It's a natural progression of her breaking into the house and sort of going off the deep end and, and having that big physical confrontation. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I loved it. I think, I think she's fantastic in it. There were times when I felt awful for her. There were times when I felt awful for him. Mm. I, uh, they both elicited sympathy from me. Uh, I, I was in it from, from, from start to finish. So where's your wife? Where's my wife? My wife is in the country with uh, her parents visiting uh, for the weekend. And you're here with a strange girl being a naughty boy? I don't think having dinner with anybody is a crime. Not yet. But I do think the early parts of the film are fascinating and the nuance of the early parts of the film yes. are the acting is so, so good. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to really admire in this. But Dan, what did you what did you think? Yeah, performances are good. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, th I think when you're when you're talking about his apartment and her apartment, it, it's really it's a triumph of they're both triumphs of production design, but also triumphs of how they're shot. His apartment yeah. looks cramped. If you notice, there's always more stuff in the sides of the frame you know, that yeah, than, right. than where they are. In other words, the hallway looks claustrophobic. It looks like he mm -hmm. is penned in and contained, you know, the, fa the, the family themselves. There's always like, you know, Adrian line is, is moving the, 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 the camera over so that he's isolated. So that's a frame within a frame within a frame, you know, so that he's mm -hmm. isolated in the shot so that there's, there's clutter all through here. And then the family is, is down in the corner or something like that. There's always stuff in the frame. And yeah. I like that a lot. And then her apartment, her, her meatpacking district loft is expansive and there's light and there's tall windows and there's, and it's shot from, it's a lot of, a lot of long shots and stuff. And so there, that you get a sense of, ah, he can breathe in this space, you know, um, mm -hmm. when he's over here. And that's kind of a neat psychological thing um, that the, that the, that the movie is doing in those, in those early scenes. So this is a well-made and I think well-paced movie. I just don't, after rabbit in the pot, mm -hmm. <laughs> the things that Michael Douglas and or Ann Archer do don't make logical sense to me. As soon as rabbit in the pot happens, you go to the police now you go, you call the cops now and you can, and you can, cause, cause it's like the only reason for him not to do that is because he still wants to keep the affair hidden from Ann Archer, but he doesn't. The next scene is a wonderfully acted scene by both of them in which he admits to the affair. Great. Next thing, call the cops. Get Nobody them. Nobody did. 
He, there's no, a scene- no, 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 no. Get them to the house, gather evidence, dust for prints, do what you would do if you had it, if you knew you just had an intruder in your home <laughs> and tell the cops everything, everything, everything that you tell that you just told your wife and get the cops on this and put that freaking place on lockdown. Same thing when the kidnapping happens. You don't go searching for her. You go to the police and you get them involved in an all, but he points, does. In an all she- points bulletin search no fred it doesn't make it doesn't make logical sense in the progression of what you think of what you would do think of what i would you go would searching do. for my child immediately she'd and she goes searching for the and child you would get and the it, cops on that search as well you wouldn't go rogue on it you wouldn't just go to the school you know she's got one line where she tells the teachers call the police and then she goes and then she goes rogue you know and yeah, and yeah okay you would but you would also get you would also ensure that the cops were also part of that the the, the things these two parents do don't make any don't make any sense there's no there's nothing that needs to be hidden anymore because it's all out in the open now and that's that's my first big sort of you know, but I think six, that would take away from the pacing of it. You don't need to see at that point. That's I see what you're saying. Well, that's what, they, I, yeah. They, but he they does do, go to the cop. He goes to the cop. She goes after. He goes to the cops right afterwards. It's like you got to You got to do something. You got to, you know, but not right away. Go to her apartment. But not right away. You would call them and you would say, "We've had an intruder here, police." You'd call nine one one and say, "There's been an intruder in our home, and they killed a pet, and we need and I when we know who it is, and you need to go." and and mm-hmm. um you know and pick them up there's there 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 or, or or put the place on lockdown to protect against this specific person whom we know did this and here's why they're the prime suspect it, it doesn't make and and you're, and you're right fred the reason they don't do that is to serve the movie is because movie mm-hmm. right we say that mm-hmm. a lot on this broadcast mm-hmm. the reason that doesn't happen is because movie mm-hmm. and that's and you're and you're right but in life you would <laughs> you would get on the phone you would get on the horn you would call 911 immediately and go this is what is happening and we need to prevent our child from being you know hurt killed kidnapped whatever because this person's now out to, you know, out to harm the family. And you wouldn't, and you would never, ever, you know, leave. It's like the end of Poltergeist. You would never, ever put the family in harm's way again. You do that everything That to me was more egregious it. because I, I feel to, it, it didn't bother me because they did have the scene of him going to the cop and the police officer being like, we can do something, but you need evidence. We need proof. We need proof. So well, now you've I got feel it. like, well, but not really at that point. I mean, look, we can get into the semantics about it, but like, yes, they could have done that, but it didn't, it didn't take it away from me. Cause at that point, as Jason said before, it's like the roller coaster was go, it was moving. I feel like that would have slowed it down a little bit. Yeah, because uh, movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, you know, if, but, if, you, if you're doing life, you're on the phone to the cops. Period. And the first, and again, first two thirds of this movie feel like it's really doing life. It feels like an indie thriller. Exactly. And And that's my problem. And then it does shift to Hollywood thriller and, and, and both parts work, but do they, do they, uh, how seamlessly do they, do they fit together? Because they are, yeah, it's like, it's kind of like two different movies going on. Yep. There you have Um, it. Yeah, that's so funny. I didn't think so at all. Yeah. Well, I felt caught up in it. I mean, I felt like I felt I I felt everything you're that they want you to feel. It's masterfully made, and you know because I feel because the beginning I was like, gosh, it's so the intricacies of the dance of like of every little thing leading up to the affair, the one night, and then 
how he comes back again and how he doesn't want to come back. Uh, but she, you know, the wife is staying out of town an extra night and he feels like it's almost like he feels like, well, it'd be churlish to not go over. Yeah, I guess I can go over and do my work at your apartment and hang out some more. And, and he and it seems harmless to him because it seems like an extension of the one night stand but it's like now it's getting personal and deeper and you can see where she is has more to hang on to and more to you know to 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 obsess over and now he's talking about personal things and they're sharing a meal in her home or now they went and played with the dog in the park and you know the all the different little intimacies that meant nothing to him and meant everything to her it's just very well done and they both act it brilliantly they backed it so perfectly and it's enough of a horror movie in a weird way because it's like you feel the dread like no 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 this can't end yeah well. what are you doing don't go well. in there don't go yeah, in there yeah. it's like you a know horror movie yeah. even at yeah. that point what were you gonna say dan i'm no, sorry no, so, sorry he, no, he does ahead. care about her and that's that's i think one of the big strengths of that first uh, two-thirds of the movie is he actually does care i had a wonderful time last night i'd like to see you again is that so terrible? No. I just don't think it's possible. It's really strange. I feel like I know you already. I just want to know where I stand. I think you're terrific. But I'm married. You know, that's the also the brilliant, the, the kind of the masterstroke of casting. And Glenn Close is beautiful, but Ann Archer is like, you know, it's not like it's not like Bernice from Fish is playing his wife. And then you're like, you're like, oh, yeah. And she's like, ah, the toilet backed up again. And he's like, oh, yeah, Fish is playing his wife. <laughs> just Abe Vigoda. You know what I mean? It feels like it feels like so many movies would be like, you know, like the Gene Wilder, like, ah, everything's so bad at my house. And now I go outside and I see Kelly LeBrock and I'm like, oh, let's have an affair. You know, yeah. it's set up. It's like your life is perfect. You're in, you have the, probably one of the nicest apartments in Manhattan. You have one of the best jobs. Your child is perfect. Your wife is g -g -g gorgeous and kind and accomplished and smart and a good mom and a good wife and loves you and you love her and life's perfect. Life's perfect. But that, that woman's really hot and cool. You know, and yeah. everything goes down the fucking shitter because you just and 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 circumstance, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to my parents for the weekend. So you have the opportunity. Oh, we had to have a meeting uh, on the weekend. And now we're in this room together. And then it was a rainstorm and your umbrella broke and we shared a cab and that's it. And now <laughs> we're at dinner and drinks and it, it like it feels like everything's just like a tragic, you know, and again, this is the problem with the movie, right? It's like, oh, poor, sweet Michael Douglas. It's just fate just conspired to lead him into this, you know, this Black Widow's uh, web. And it's no, like, no, I he's... But I don't think the movie plays it that way. I, I think it... Uh, I, I think I don't it does. Think it does. It I think in that direction. It has I think in that it direction pretty strong. Oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree. I like the beginning because there's... No, I don't mean... I think there's... No, I think it's fine at the beginning. There's no, but I, I think it uh, ultimately, once she starts exhibiting, once once the quote unquote rules of like, 
she says, I, I'm discreet. Are you discreet? And he's like, yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. And then once it stops being discreet, once she starts calling the house and not letting go and showing up at his office, once that behavior begins, from that moment on, and Glenn Close is brilliant because you still feel for her. No yeah. question. I'm on team Glenn Close most of the movie. But I'm the on movie her is team. trying to tell you this is about poor Michael Douglas, like the, the, the lead, the protagonist, the man, the hero, the, the, the guy from Romancing the Stone is now, you know, that everybody likes is now in this very bad position. And, yes. and she's not behaving by the rules. She's not playing by the rules. They were supposed to forget about it. Mm-hmm. And she's not forgetting about it. And so she is, the movie starts demonizing her right from that moment, yes. even though she and is playing it fault. with that's the complexity. It's, it's her fault yeah. that she's not. She's right? playing yeah. it with the nu- nuance and complexity Correct. that earns her an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Deservedly so. You know, that moment where she's sitting there, and either actress is doing this thing where she's like sitting in the house, like turning a lamp on and off and staring mm-hmm. into the distance. You'd be like, boo, movie. But, she, you know, like this portrait of mental illness. But she's that scene incredible. actually was ripped off from Fish. That that's directly <laughs> that's Bernice does that in one of the episodes. This lamp's not working, Fish. <laughs> yes, Bernice. The look in her eyes, the haunted, sad, broken. I mean, she's it's terrific, incredible. But I do feel the movie is saying, "Crazy woman, bad." Mm-hmm. Michael Douglas, you made you did a bad thing, but you know. We're, we're, we're still all on in your, for we're still you. We're still supposed to be on your, your team. Yeah. We're on and your I'm team. I'm on team and Glenn he, Close. And, I, and it's not for any fault. He plays his part of it brilliantly, too. And I do yeah. think he's essentially not a bad human being. or any, You know what I mean? He did. Yeah. It's like what you said, Fred. He makes a mistake. But the movie is, you know, I don't know. It's, and, and again, it still works for me until, and, and even the last third, it works for me the way a movie that pushes all the buttons and makes you cry, makes you excited, makes you cheer. You know, the end of a, a Rocky movie works on you or the end of, you know, like mm-hmm. they're, that's what movies do They're When they're masterfully done, they are manipulating you they're, They They have the ability to pull everybody in the theater down a path. You know, maybe there's a few people who are like, eh, it didn't work for me, but essentially you get a room full of people to follow you on that journey and to feel the same thing at the same time. And it is done masterfully. But I think, I do agree, you know, in my description, I do think it's, you know, it, it enforces a stereotype of like the crazy woman or the, or the, the, the single career woman who, you know, is, uh, there's something wrong with her. She's off. She's, you know, mm-hmm. you, she can't be trusted. She can't, she's too emotional. She can't, uh, l- let things lie. You know, uh, there's something, uh, there's something toxic about that. And that stalking behavior that she exhibits is, like I said, it's actually much more likely to be the case that a man will do that to a, a woman when he's rejected than a woman will do that to a man, statistically. But it, but this is, loom, like I said, it looms so large in the public consciousness. Yeah. That I think it's, uh, I think there are things about it that are troubling. But as an entertainment, it works like gangbusters. As, <laughs> as a great piece of, of a- acting from all the leads, it works like gangbusters. It's really, so much about it is really so, so great. But I have complicated feelings about it. I just want to be a part of your life. Oh, this is the way you do it, huh? Showing up at my appointment! What am I supposed to do? You won't answer my calls, you change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. You're so sad. 
You know that, Alex? Lonely and very sad. Don't you ever pity me, oh, smug you. bastard. I'll pity you. I'll pity you because you're sick. Why? Because I won't allow you to treat me like some slut you can just bang a couple of times and throw in the garbage? My question is, at the time, though, had there been a movie where the female character, the female lead, was this sort of... I don't want to use the word evil, but was sort of the, the main antagonist where they were put in that position, uh, given that position of like, no, because it's normally like, as you said, or, or movies in horror movies, it's always, uh, you know, it's a man, it's a man stalking someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of a movie before this where it's like, no, we're going to make it a female, uh, which I guess you could be like, well, that's a bad thing because we don't, maybe that's set off I mean, a spate of, my yeah, mind, as you said. My mind goes straight to Cindy Williams and Meet Wally Sparks, but that's just where my <laughs> mind goes. Wow, okay. <laughs> but your mind always goes back to Meet Wally Sparks. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. It didn't bother me. It, it didn't really bother me. I, I was not Team Michael Douglas. I was, I, I obviously- Obviously, Glenn Close's character is severely disturbed, so disturbed. and she plays yeah. it great. And they really and apparently she did a lot of research and spoke with therapists and psychologists mm. and really wanted to make sure, like, would this actually happen? Would the rabbit thing actually happen? Mm. And, th- you know, psychologists like, yes, there, you know, th- that would fit in the history that you've created for this character. Yes. Action like that would be, would, could happen. Um, I love when she so looks I, in the window, sees them playing with the bunny and gets physically ill. She has yeah, to, vomit. Starts to vomit. Yeah. Terrific. She wretches like watching Hellraiser, but and eating <laughs> eggplants. But I, I, I wasn't just like team, it. you know, I wasn't like, Oh, poor Michael Douglas. I was like, you fucked up. But like, yes, yeah. obviously she is, she is crazy. There's no, you know, I'm not saying that as like the male gaze being like, oh, crazy woman. She's crazy. She's got psychological problems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, beyond just being, you know, jilted and and being left behind. There's there's obvious psychological problems. And that's what Glenn Close is playing. She's yeah. playing a person who's, you know, got shit going on that, you know, we, we can't handle. But, um, but to me, it was looking at Michael Douglas and saying, you fucked up. You did something shitty. Mm-hmm. You cheated on your wife. You sinned, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and for no other reason, then you're like, oh, well, why not? I'm not going to get caught. You know, we have an agreement. But now you have to deal with the consequences. Yeah. And unfortunately, the consequences are this woman was unstable. So to me, I I was never really rooting for him. I was rooting for Ann Archer, uh, but I was never thinking like, yeah, I get her. Now, I will say... It, because of this conversation, and as I said this before, yes, they should have stuck the landing with the original ending, or if they were going to do what they did, I sort of wish, and maybe this would have been too on the nose, because it ends with a shot of, you know, he talks to the police, and then there's a shot of the family, and I oh. wish, and maybe this would have been yeah. cheesing too on the nose, I wish at least that portrait of the family, it was cracked. Mm-hmm. Or it was something, it was like the picture was broken, you know, from the fight and they never got a fix. So you could see like, yes, we're ending on the image of Michael Douglas back with his family, but they are irrevocably changed and irreparably changed. And the family is broken because of what happened. They're not going to come back from that. That's the other thing uh, the movie does, which is Ann Archer really does say the first thing she, she gets up. She's like, are you in love with her? And he says, no, mm-hmm. it was one night. It didn't mean anything. And then she's like, moves into like, all right, problem solving mode. And she never really, like, he doesn't, 
and maybe again this like you're suggesting with that crack in the picture we never get the sense I, I love actually does a better job of this of realistically portraying like the the sheet of ice that would form over that relationship when Absolutely. Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman you know and that mm-hmm. isn't even an affair that's like an emo you know an intellectual affair. affair an emotional yeah. affair uh, but that moment where she greets him at the airport at the end and she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You can tell like, maybe they'll be okay. Maybe they won't. They're still hanging on by a thread. They got work to do, whatever. Yeah. It's really for me, the last, the last third of this where it goes full Hollywood. And I'm not saying I, I lose interest. I'm still into it. I mean, and especially when she kidnaps their child, I'm like, okay, now, now I can't be on team Glenn close anymore. But prior to that, the first two thirds of this movie is a, is a psychological thriller about, um, the, 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 the intricacies of, of how one person's point of view on something can be different from another person's point of view on mm-hmm. something. But guess what? This person still has to take responsibility and isn't okay. And the other person merely wants them to take responsibility and wants more to it than was perhaps mutually agreed upon. The last third of this movie is, you know, the end of Halloween. Well, you and, do. And, yeah, and you have I to kill the monster because yeah, you, can say the whole, is, you can say the whole way through, she needs help. She needs help. Get her help. Get her help. Sure. And then once she kidnaps the child, you're like, there's no time to get yeah. her help. Like we yeah. just have, like I said earlier, you yeah. have to take her off the chessboard. Like that's, that's right. what it, they, you're, you're viscerally, you're like, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, she's damaged, but she can't be doing what she's doing like yeah. you know we have to stop her what do we do to stop her in the yeah. moment immediately and, exactly yeah. and part of that is i don't i can't have now now i can't have a even consider an inkling of a thought of having a continued life with this person where she's the the mother of my of my illegitimate child and i'm still married to ann archer and have a child with her now yeah exactly she's got to come off the chessboard and i'm not saying you know murder i'm saying get the cops involved and put the person who invaded your home and killed a pet of yours Get that person in jail or at least on trial for for what for for what they did. Um, I, 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 you know, are we are, when when in movies do we get past the cliche? Because it's all through both of these movies that the person with the with the inner passion and the inner fire and the repressed sexual this and the hidden the hidden this cigarettes mean that. Cigarettes are the are the symbol of I have a repressed burning. I'm a burning person inside. So freaking stupid and idiotic. I hate it so much. I just hate it. That that whole conceit of that, you know, it's just so You don't like dumb. smoking. You're the one that got smoking banned to cabaret you, in college. You're so damn right I did. And, that's and you what know it why? Is. It's because this because this movies like these ones, you know, tra- traffic in in this is this is what it means to be a a passionate person or a passionate artist or to have burning desire inside. And thank God we got rid of that in movies. Hopefully now, hopefully maybe it's been replaced by vaping now, but it's just so, (laughs) it's just so. age well. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. This movie was clearly made between 2015 and 2021 (laughs) because everybody's vaping. Yeah, and and I don't know what that symbolizes, <laughs> but fuck out of it. But for vapor so, attraction, I mean, vapor attraction. Uh, I thank you. Did you see what I did there? <laughs> I give it six Sheilas. Nine. 
Wow. Nine kilos. Seven. I'm going to give it seven. I'm going to give it seven. I thought, you know, I, I nine is that's. That's high. I don't think, I mean, I I I almost want to give it a 9.5. I really don't, I see what you're saying. It doesn't bother me. Like I watch as a movie from start to finish, I'm in it. I was never taken. I know what you're saying. It definitely gets Hollywood eyes at the end. But for me, it did not take me out. I was still in it and like along for the ride and it affected me the way, maybe it was manipulative, but it manipulated me in the way that, it was trying to do. And so in that sense, I, I, I found it successful from start to finish really. Um, Clearly many others felt the same way. I mean, it's a massive iconic blockbuster. What are your, my Kate, my wife is, finds this movie offensive. It gets her angry when she starts talking about it. Mm. I, you know, I can can see see why. Did did your wives watch, she didn't watch it with me, but she's seen it before. Did your wives watch it with you? Do you know what they think about it? Does it work for them? Because it's obviously, when a movie's this big a hit, everybody likes, you know what I mean? Like men, women, young and old, like people like go see it and it speaks to them and they, you know what I mean? It's not like it's just a cautionary tale for guys and that guys made this movie a hit. That's not true. So do do we know, do you know how your wives? I don't know. I, 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 I know when I mentioned that one night I, w- I mentioned to Kate, I was like, oh, you want to watch Fatal Tracks with me? And she didn't want to, but I think, I don't know if that, if it was an aversion to the movie or just, she just wasn't in the mood to watch it that night. But I don't know. I can certainly ask her, you know, yeah. to find out. Cause it, that is interesting. And I, I was, I was actually curious, uh, you know, what your Kate, if, cause I, I can imagine that a lot of women might have really strong feelings toward this and be like, no, it demonizes women and makes them, you know, like, oh, they're the crazy one. I, yeah. I, I, I see that. I get that. Yeah. Taylor, when I told her I was watching, uh, so you want to, you know, uh, got fatal attraction for the podcast this week. She's a, Ooh, Glenn Close's apartment in that. She loves to look at movies for <laughs> the decor <laughs> for the real estate. And, f- and for the real estate. She loves <laughs> that. She, she truly does. And she'll put something on, you know, just to be like, Oh, that, that lamp, that lamp right there. That's wow. the, that's the one. That we have to get for this room. Do you really love the lamp, or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. And and I did read Glenn Close is tied with I want to say Peter O'Toole for most Oscar nominations without a win. She's been nominated now eight wow. times, and she's wow. never won an award. Eight? Yeah. Wow. Let's try and, and name him this. I can't. I can't remember. But she's in Garp that? World According to Garp. I know she got nominated Garp, for. Yeah. Right. Um, that there, that there's one where the she one played the man recently, or she yes, played. Yes. Uh, uh, um, all right. Yeah. The nominations need are to know. 1983 World According to Garp, 1984 mm-hmm. The Big Chill. Oh, oh boy, right. I hate that movie. 1985 The Natural. She barely, she doesn't do much in the natural. She stands up. Yeah, that's not Oscar. Oh, wait, that's, I mean, that's, she's great, but. That's not the um, thing to the natural. 1988, Fatal Attraction, 89, Dangerous Liaisons. Mm-hmm. And then we jump like 20 years. Then we've got Albert Knobs, 2012, The Wife, 2019, Hillbilly Elegy, 2021. So she's going to get nominated in the next two years for something and she will finally win. They'll be like that. She'll finally enough. win, yeah. And she deserves it. But, um, I think she's a good Gertrude in the uh, Zeffirelli Hamlet. I think she does a right. nice job as Gertrude. Right, I yeah. real, real good in that. She was good in and that. And we saw, we watched Jagged Edge for this podcast, did we not? I thought she was, That's she was right. nice in that. She was, yeah. good, she was good in that. Good, good um, job. Good actor. I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. 
Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll be back in just a couple of weeks with a look back at October 2nd, 1992, and the 30th anniversary of Glengarry Glen Ross, starring Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Ed Harris, and Alec Baldwin, just to name a few. The Mighty Ducks, <laughs> which I've never seen, starring Emilio Estevez, and Hero, starring Dustin Hoffman, Gina Davis, and Andy Garcia. That's all next time on Opening Weekend. Dan, what you got for us? There's no music in these movies, so that's worth anything. Can you do the sound of me retching up my eggplant parmesan yes. watching Hellboy? Yes, because, you, you you know, this is your this is your eggplant parmesan coming out of both ends. <laughs> and Jesus wept. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you.